So, we're back, and what we're talking about today is cosmic oblivion, suspending belief, and spiritualism. And I think that one of the most important things that I have learned is not only the humility in spirituality, but the importance, the significance of spirituality, and how much that can change a person. And initially, what that ties into is suspending belief so if you don't know what suspending belief is so whenever you watch a tv show whenever you watch a movie whenever you you know are dating someone or you're like whatever you're into you're suspending belief (laughs) whenever you're dating someone i'm such an aquarius venus um but whenever you whenever you you know peer into something fictional that you for a time a, a moment of your life have to suspend your belief meaning that you have to pretend in which that this is a real thing and forget that it's not real so when you're watching a movie and you get all deep into the movie and you begin to suspend belief because you get to allow yourself allow your conscious to believe in something that you know is not real right and you know it happens for a moment for a time so that you can experience something great so you can experience something grand so that you can allow your conscious mind to be kind of like abducted by this um the storyline, you know, what it will bring you on and how it will change you and how it will affect you. And, you know, one of the things that I said, like spiritualism being one of those things that you, or even religion to the hierarchy of that fact, suspending belief into religion and to the point in which it's no longer a fictional aspect, but you allow it to indoctrinate your life is quite powerful. And it's quite necessary, I feel, for human beings. And a lot of people say, well, I'm atheist, so I don't believe in anything, or I don't believe in God, or like, I don't have a religion. And like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. But even you not believing in a creator, not believing in a God, not believing in a religion is you suspending a belief to something and the fact that there's nothing. So there's these double entendres to the fact that there is something or there isn't and there's an absence of something. And so spiritualism and its fact that there is something grander than I, grander than us, grander than the infinite, infinity the impossible is such an artifact in the sense that it really takes your life to a different level like I was just saying before all the madness is that I remember a time in which I didn't believe in astrology or I wanted to believe in it and I was quite let's say this is why I said cosmic oblivion is such a thing because I was cosmically oblivious to the fact that there's something grander than I, other than this archetype of the God under the Christian wing, which that within itself was a whole thing that we talked about on my last podcast, because it was just like, here's this thing that everyone wants to say is going to punish you or going to, you know, watch out or keep tabs if you do something bad or, you know, and even the whole archetype of parents using God and religion to their own device of how they want to parent you is such a loaded scenario that it really hampers on the entire essence of what it means to be spiritual. And to be spiritual and to be free in that fact and to allow yourself to explore within the means of your relationship with the creator or with something that's creating something It's quite a beautiful process, which I feel like is the foundation of spiritualism, the foundation of understanding that there is something grander, something, a relationship to be had with your spirit, but then also the spirit that lended itself to you. And this is why I always talk about, you know, children and how it infuriates me quite actually, that people are so oblivious to the significance of one life but also the life of a child it and even just like not even a child but like even just relationships that you have with other people and also how you treat other people how you talk to other people the way that you interact with other people like it's such a spiritual encounter that I feel like the way in which the western world has like foiled that is so saddening because you have to understand they often feel this way when someone passes away like we were having a conversation um at work which is really weird 
where someone was like, you know, if you live long enough, you will have had sex with somebody who's passed away. And I actually knew someone who went through something like that. And the layers of foundation of spiritualism on top of that is such a such a thing to unpack. But also, to my point, is that we're spiritual beings, you know? Like when you have a kid, it comes directly from some spirit. And you are given a gift to like protect, guard, uh, show this spirit the ropes of this realm. And a lot of people are just like yelling at their kids because they're not coloring inside the lines. And like all the other bad things that people do to kids. And I'm like, yo, I feel like the greatest sin of all is if there is to be a sin. Hi, Melanie. If there is to be a sin, if there are sins, I feel like the greatest sin of all is to, and you're going to get karma tenfold for this, is for manipulating or creating some sort of uh, disharmony within the soul of an innocent person. An innocent child. And I feel like... The, I'm gonna, I could go on a rampage about this for decades, but I feel like when you take from the innocence of a soul and you warp it and you disrupt it and you taint it to where it's no longer feeling excited about something, no longer happy to express, no longer free to explore because of you and your own BS that you have like kind of stumbled up in. It's the worst thing in the world. And then on top of that, if you do it intentionally, meaning like you know that you're being an asshole, then it's like you're like the circle of life is going to greet you with a nice package of karma <laughs> because you deserve it. Why? Why would you do that to an innocent soul? And even interacting or like when someone passes away and like my favorite discipline and subject is death and it's that phenology and the, the encompasses of conscious and passing away. And a lot of people get freaked out about it, but I think it's the key to saving the Western world essentially, because when you think about it, death and life are the same thing. You come in, you go out, <laughs> but also it's like the development and the absence of a human personality and a human mind. But on top of that, when you think about someone who has passed away and you think about the fact that they're no longer here with us physically it's like well they're back with that that thing that brought them here that that soul thing that creator thing that god thing that you know um the great spirit is what we call it in, in native um spirituality and to think about the fact that you had contact, you had intel, you have memories ingrained in someone's conscious mind that is now with the great one, the great spirit, the the God, the genius, you know, it's like, well, what is, what are they telling them or it about me? Or what has it, what data has it taken in and it's able to share with it about my my impact on humanity, my impact in the world, my impact on it. And I think that if there's going to be fear in religion about anything, I think it should be about that. Other human beings going into or going back to the great spirit and sharing its experience with you, with it, you know? If, if you're going to be worried about anything, because the proof is in the pudding, the way that you affect people and the way that your energy imposes on people creates such a, uh, like... In my head, what I'm seeing is like a roadmap or what I'm, what I'm seeing is like um, like a, a, a synopsis of pathways within the human mind because of what you've said to it. Words and water and we know the energy and the spirit is such such a powerful tool that I feel like we just need to be more careful about those things. We just need to be more intentional about those things. And the spirits that we, we walk with and the spirits that we allow to walk with us and the spirits that we tend to adopt and the spirits that we intend to adopt onto other people, you know? I think that that is one of the most important things that we can do as human beings is to lend ourselves, if not a fear to 
the spirit, but just a fear to the way we impact each other, you know? But we're so, we're so into like, you know, egotism and, and selfishness and things of that nature. I just would like to believe that there is a, a way to get through the people. And that's one of the things that I've been realizing the more and more that I'm studying psychology and actual like clinical psychology and mental health is that it's not necessarily about knowing all of these tools and having all these theories of therapy and stuff like that, because, you know, there's going to be math equations and they're always going to compute. But essentially what it's about is the way in which you can get through to someone and get to them to the other side of understanding or, or comprehending a lesson or, or, or um, essentially like get them to comprehend or come to a, what, a euphoric moment, a, a eureka moment where they, they understand, you know? Um, and, and, and it's really a skill to be able to reveal or unveil a mirror of someone into someone else, which is why when I watched Malcolm and Marie, the Netflix uh, movie, and, and I see, I saw it come out like a while ago. And it was one of those things where it was just like, oh, it just seems like overhyped, it's like black and white, it's like, you know, whatever. But when I finally did get around to watching it, I'm so glad I did, it was so, there's there's no word to describe about how beautiful that that movie was because it has so many layers of perspective and philosophy and you know the aesthetics of film and just aesthetics in general but also like a mental aesthetic to it because what it did was it unveiled layers of the way in which people can not only impact people but also torture people but also show themselves to people it was like a real baseline level of humanity that was just like art you know and what I took away from that was isn't it's like one the people that you love can hurt you the most but also know you the best but also can really unveil you to you in a way in which no one else can and that being said it's like also how much do you love the person or the people that you say that you love, i.e. your lovers, i.e. your friends, i.e. the child that you're going to bring into this world or that you have brought into this world, to change who you are, to, to, to vibrate to a level of love, to fulfill a level of love that is needed by this person. You know, at the end of it, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, if I said that, I would spoil it. It would be a spoiler, but essentially having the opportunity to reveal yourself to you, which is what this is all about, right? Like being alive and being a human being is an adaptation of the creator creating many creations of itself so that it can understand itself in many multi-layers of perspective, right? Correct? Like we've all gotten that philosophy bottom line. And in doing so, there's mirrors and fragments. This is why they call it a holographic universe, a mirrored universe, because it's like, we're all looking at it ourselves all day, you know? And it's really interesting when, you know, you have a conflict with someone and you hate someone or you feel anger towards someone and all these different things that you feel, because it's really just a reflection of what you've allowed to come into your life and what you've allowed your life to be. You know, Marie and Malcolm in the, in the movie, they have such an, you know, this passionate aggression but love for each other because they both allowed each other to have each other in this way and they both made a life of it in this way you know marie gets a movie made about her malcolm gets content for his art um and his film and they kind of like feed off of each other in in a in a in a way in the which is very um i don't want to say like um transactional but to a level of like honesty everything that we do is transactional because everything that we do is like looking in the mirror you're exchanging perspective with other people if not a higher level or a lower vibration of that level with anything else and everything else so you know 
I think what happens is like, what happens when you look in the mirror for so long and the mirror finally starts to talk back or you simply get to a level of conscious realization where the belief is no longer suspended, but it's plainly obvious. And you're not looking at a show. You're not looking at something fictional anymore. You're not looking at a lover anymore, but you're looking at yourself and how limitless or, or limit limit uh, unlimited you are, which is the entire art of the human experience, right? Like everything about being a stoic or just being a human and being, I feel like a human even worth being alive is to be able to look at yourself and be like, you know what? This is how I can be better. Life is all about like paying attention to who you are so that you can evolve. And I think a lot of the Western world has grew up how they grew up and been given what they've been given. And, you know, they have this uh, false sense of pursuit, men especially, to just I become a man or I become fulfilled when I get a career or when I get the house or when I get the kids or when I get the wife and then bam, I'm done. So you walk around with this, this level of like, just like false fulfillment when, you know, the act in like getting the house and getting the house and the kids and getting the wife is not going to just be like easy. Only a robot could go through that level of like steps without actually learning something about themselves you know and especially if you're a man and you're marrying a woman like no woman or or any self-respecting woman might I say let me sip this (laughs) would just allow someone to just come into her life and just not learn how to love her you know or not not have I don't know am I am I am I just me am I just me because I feel like in every relationship that I've been in which has been one to be honest like one real one if we're gonna say that I've always had an element of of spiritualism to those relationships like that was a requirement like we're gonna talk about Hi, Nick. When we have those moments of like talking about your dad or talking about your mom or talking about your childhood, I'm going to be like, well, how does that make you feel? (laughs) Or do you think this is why? Or like, could this be? Or is this a thought? Or like, do you really, you know what I'm saying? And like, quite recently, I've had the experience of like meeting someone where it wasn't like, I particularly had to have that conversation because this person was conscious enough to where it was like, yo, I want it better for myself. So I made life better for myself. But in a sense where it was just like, okay, you got that squared away. But also there's like levels in life and levels in this thing in which it's like, well, now you need to learn how to love. And if you're going to be with me, this is something that we're going to learn. And you and if you're going to be willing to learn how to evolve and to learn what love is, I'm willing to teach you. I'm willing to show you. I'm willing to like, we're willing to go down this path of like, hey, what makes you feel love? What are your love language? How does it, you know, to grow and evolve as, as a unit, you know, <clears throat> because what, what else is the point? Like I get you love people as, as they are, but also I'm a firm believer in like evolution of the spirit and the mind, the heart, the body and everything. There's always room for improvement and not in a sense where like life has to be a constant hang up of like fix this thing, fix that thing. I don't believe in like like pin poking yourself, but essentially as you live life. And I think that this is one of the most misconstructed things I've ever had. And the thing that I'm coming to realize more and more and more as I get into my 20, my 20s is how real is it? That life, one, is not easy, but it's not easy because you're going to have to change. And you're going to have to look, grow and you're going to have to evolve and you're going to have to learn things. And you're going to have to, like, constantly just be on the flow. Like, there's no set schedule. There's no, like, the 9 to 5 would probably be the most peaceful thing about life. And even that within itself is its own, like, chaotic thing, you know? Like, I would just love to have, like, a routine and this is happening like this. But you know what? People die, you know, <laughs> there's a car accident, um, there's, 
you know, a leaky pipe, you know, like life is always going to throw new things at you. And, you know, it's never, you're never going to be allowed to be comfortable for too long. And I think that that is because the universe, the creator was like, yo, I put you in this thing. So like, I'm going to get my money's worth and not that like, you know, it's an actual like get my money's worth thing. But it's one of those things where just like, no, like we're going to see how you can evolve, how you can change, how you can adapt. I need to learn with your certain programming and your certain setup and your certain conscious mind how you would handle these things so that I can learn more about what I'm made of, you know? And sometimes it's like, I think that there's so much pressure in spirituality, especially new age spirituality, to be um, perfect, meaning that like, crying is not okay but like crying is good or even just being weak is good like I feel like <clears throat> I was working right and so I've been like emotional lately <laughs> like at, at work I'm a woman like I'm like yo what am I supposed to be like a rock like what do you want from me and someone relayed a message to me which was so messy but like I was like okay we're gonna do that okay I'm listening uh, and they were just like you know so and so were like Oh, Haven's so weak. She's always crying. Like, da-da-da. They think you're weak. Da-da-da-da. And I'm like, who said, who said I wanted to be strong? Who said I wanted to be masculine? Who said I wanted to walk through here with my shoulders hunched up and, like, angry all, all day? Or, 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 like, ready to snap? Or, like, ready to, like, put someone in their place? Or, like, that's just not me. You know? I'm, I've never been that kind of person. I'm not that kind of person. I don't, I'm not in a, that line of work to be that kind of person. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I'm never going to let a job or like anything really make me into something that I'm not. I'm a very gentle, I'm a very kind, I'm a very loving person. I have a lot of love to give and that's always been who I'm, who I'm going to be. So if I'm in situations where like that's not easily translated, I'm not in a space where I can easily be that and exalt that then of course I'm gonna be sad of course I'm gonna be upset of course I'm gonna express the emotions that I'm feeling that relate to my heart my soul and my spirit and I'm fine with that I'm not gonna argue with you about the fact that I'm not a grizzly bear <laughs> like this is not me like I have learned the beauty and the grace in being a feminine woman and desiring um the space to be expressive and creative and things of that nature like I've had that era of my life where I was like hyper independent and just ready to go off and that's not what strong means to me strong to me and the yin and yang and duality of things western men have become more into a feminine role than they are of a masculine role and I personally feel like this is in due part to the epidemic on the American household and the Western household in general, meaning that for a long time they've been thriving off of dismantling the household, dismantling the family, and having a lot of these women, women in general, raise um, raise the family themselves. You know, the single mother, the child support, the father goes out and does whatever he does and just sends money back home, and the, the single mothers are raising these these children, these men, and these women, and, you know, not that women can't raise men, we're not going to have that PC conversation, we're having a spiritual conversation, where it's a sense that, like, there is a level of masculinity that a man can only learn from a man, or that he learns from a woman acting in masculinity as a woman's perception and her take on that and so men then part become the feminine version of masculinity instead of the masculine version of masculinity right and we can see this now play out in men not knowing how to do a lot of things in society and causing a lot of disruption and then women in part not knowing how to embrace men because they didn't grow up with the man dynamic in their household now this isn't everybody but i feel like this is something that is being popularized you know 
dismantling the nuclear family and having non-traditional um, ways of living and things of that nature. Even like to the point where it's just like a man who was raised by a single woman who, who, who ends up having a child and marrying a woman himself, herself. Um, and then it's like, you're passing down to your son feminine qualities in which you didn't get to have from a masculine perspective. And, you know, it, it's just like the, the gift that keeps on giving, essentially. You walk with many spirits, right? There is the spirit of, like, addiction. There's a the spirit of alcoholism. There's a the spirit of, like, fear. And there's a the spirit of love. And I think a lot of times based off of what we see in us in our childhood, we walk with a spirit of fear. And even if it's not, <clears throat> you know, obvious fear, like, oh my God, I'm scared of a spider, but like, you may be afraid of falling in love. You may be afraid of like, not having this absolute control over your heart or over who you are, because you've seen what that has done to dynamics around you. And so people walk around with a chip on their shoulder and, you know, are walking with the spirit of fear and it hinders them from being able to embrace people and to accept people and to be honest with people and to be real with people. And I feel like when that happens, it's such a betrayal to not only the, the great spirit, the, the creator, the genius, but also just to yourself. Because we've been given, unlike the cows, unlike the the horses, unlike the ants, unlike, you know, the spiders and things like that, to be conscious of this experience, to really feel it, and to really, like, have this matrix simulation experience where we're interactive with this game, in which the bars and the levels of like love, excitement, thrill, peace, all these things like that get to get to level up through the choices and the decisions that you make. And so walking through life and just being unconsciously afraid of something, of someone, of doing something that is so like it would give it would award you like a million points in the simulation to love right? Because it's a gift that keeps on giving. The energy in which someone ex displays when they're in love, even with themselves, but also with someone else, is just romantic. And, you know, you can always tell when, like, a couple's in love, you know, the way that they look at each other. And the way that that does, and the way that that gravitates other people's attention and other people's eyes and other because it's an energy exchange that you can't you can't veer away from you can't tear away from you can't look away from because it's so magnetic you know the way someone loves their child loves their fucking pets you know <laughs> don't get me started on pet people listen but it's such an enchanting experience to you but also to everyone around you that it's so it's so worth doing it's it's such a thing that's worth doing it's such a thing that's worth experiencing it's such a thing that's worth acknowledging um and it comes with this level of spiritual self-reflection and you know seeing life as a chessboard and going back and seeing where were the wrong moves made, you know? And that takes a level of humility within yourself to be like, okay, listen, here's a time that I betrayed myself. And because I betrayed myself, meaning that I didn't act in my own best interest, meaning my own self-love, maybe meaning I didn't love myself, I didn't choose myself, I didn't choose what was best for me. And not in a selfish way, but in a way that maintains a level of peace internally it caused a layer of disruption in every other aspect of my life which created a wave of self-doubt a wave of fear a wave of that ended up in a result of me walking with the spirit of depression or hate self-hate or um you know self-doubt and when you get to that point 
And like, okay, that was the straw, that was the string one, okay, let's apologize to ourselves. Let's say sorry. Why not? Who? Hey, man, <laughs> friend, you, me, me in the mirror, Malcolm in the mirror, you know, I'm sorry. There's a level of humility of apologizing to yourself, right? And then once that apology happens and you're in a base level of line of like honesty and respect with yourself, you can make bullet points and it's like okay we're never gonna do that again we're never gonna move like that again we're never gonna do like that and it's like why because i love you and if i can't show love to myself i can never show love to anybody else because it just won't be in you you just won't know how to do it it just won't work you know you don't you have to walk with the spirit of forgiveness walk with the spirit of love you have to and that's the thing like i was i was watching a, a john mayer interview it came it was really weird it popped up out of nowhere and the interviewer and john mayer were talking about how as you grow older in life or even if you just become more conscious more self-aware you develop this sense of grace for everyone else around you but also for yourself because you begin to realize like you're going to go through things and things are going to happen and you're going to grow up and like life is going to happen. And so you no longer look at anybody with any kind of eyes or any kind of like jealousy or envy or, or any of these things. Because you have to understand like the shit that you go through to get to who you are and how you are is the same shit in a different way that somebody else has to get to. And not everything is how it seems. You have to see the spirit for what it is. Not what it's projecting, not what it's presenting, but for what it is. And a lot of things look like what it's not. I watched the Kim K and, and Angela Martinez interview. I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. And I'm so quick to just be dismissive of Kim K because I just feel like, you know? And... But for a moment there when she was talking and she was very monotone and not expressive, at first I was like, okay, that's a lot of Botox. That's why she can't really like frown and smile and do the things that she has to do. But then after I was like, okay, you're being rude. Um, I was just like, okay, let me just hear her out. And like, I know a lot of the things that she says is like PR related and like she's a star and she has these things, she has business around, so she can't be honest as she should be and how she, she can't be a human because humans have era and humans are sad and depressed and they go through things and they make mistakes and all these things like that and she can't come on there she doesn't really have the balls to come on there and say listen you know this is how i really feel this is what's really going on with me because one she has a lot of contracts she has to feed her family she has this lifestyle that she's living that she has to maintain now because she's gotten herself into a place in which she has to maintain what she is now and probably is beholden to a lot of people to make certain things happen and then she's thinking about her kids the lifestyle she wants her kids to have so i'm like okay but then i was like thinking okay with all of that being said whether or not this woman really has a soul or not she's still in this hosting of a body right and she still is existing and breathing and gave life allegedly um but i see all this to say it's like sure there's all these stipulations and these things about her and how she is and what she presents and what she's projecting and what she's imposed on the world. But somewhere in there, even if it's like 2% of it, there's a human. And there's so many different maps and pathways and processes that she's been through that has allowed her to project this monotone, Botox, non-expressive existence of, of a person and the pale, you know, all the things. Um, but for a moment there, I felt sad for her and not really sad for like her, Kim K, but I felt sad for her, like as a child, as a soul, as a spirit, because I couldn't imagine the toll that that existence, that life takes upon a spirit, you know, and 
all of those things that I thought of her and I think of her and not that I, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I hate her, like, you're like, I'm very like, just whatever, like, oh, I see her swipe, you know, like, on to the next, whatever. But in that moment, something happened to me where I, I, I was with this spirit of grace, the spirit of humility, where I was just like, you know, there's something underneath there that is a soul. And for that thing, I feel lots of sympathy, you know? And it made me think about all the times in which I've been angry at, like, my parents for just, like, raising me how they raised which I talk a lot about my parents, but, like, I'm alive. I'm breathing. I didn't die. Nothing tragic has ever happened to me. There's just, like, little things that I'm just like, you know, I wish I would have been loved by people who knew how to love, essentially, um, and had a lot of love for themselves and were prepared and things of that nature. And people who were, like, conscious and aware and, you know, did better things and were, were on this pursuit to love and evolve and things. But I'm like, okay, all that aside, there is a level of, like, sympathy that I have for the spirit, you know? To, like, grow and to be alive and to, like, experience all the things, all the layers that has been put on you that has buried this excitement that you had as a child away. I look at my nephews, they're like five or six, maybe seven or eight, I don't really know. And they're so excited about everything, you know? And then it's just like, to even like be aware of like the fact that this world is gonna take that away from you one day, that makes me sad. And it makes me want to create a universe in which is like, no, you're going to be that excited about living all the time. You're going to be that excited about life for the rest of your life. You're going to be so excited and have all these questions and things of that nature for forever. Like, I want to protect that. I want to save that. I want to give that gift to somebody. I don't want a world in which, like, you know, is what it is now. You know? Like. I don't know. And I feel that. If you're walking with any kind of spirit. And this is just what we say in, like, Native cultures. Like, if you're depressed, you're walking with the spirit of depression. If you're angry, you're walking with the spirit of anger. And there's there's ways in which that, like, you feed that spirit in which it takes something from you, right? There's negative spirits and positive spirits. One of the things that you can do is just, you have to have one, is that whatever spirit is with you, which is, like, the spirit of depression, the spirit of addiction, the spirit of alcoholism, the spirit of fear, the spirit of despair, the spirit of, you know, innate desires or whatever it is, is that you have respect for that spirit because it's still a spirit. It's still existing. It's still living, right? And you, and you've built this relationship with the spirit, right? Like this spirit has been with you through this, through that. It, it, you guys are codependent on each other. You've done a lot with each other. And this spirit feels attached to you. That's why it's still with you, right? And with anything that you no longer want in your life, you have to ask it to leave. Whether it's, you know, someone showed up at your door, your house, you're like, yo, man. <laughs> A bad friend, you're like, yo, man, you haven't really been the best person to me. Can you leave my life? You ask the spirit of, of depression, like, spirit of depression, will you please leave me? Spirit of fear, will you please leave me? Spirit of, spirit of, um, hate, will you please leave me? And allow yourself to detach spiritually, but also just, like, internally with all of the things that you and that spirit has done together, you know? 
And as that spirit leaves you, call in spirits that are great for you, that help you, that assist you, that are kind to you, like the spirit of love, the spirit of peace, the spirit of abundance, the spirit of grace. And allow those things to walk with you throughout life so that when you do walk into a place or you do walk into desiring love or a relationship or a career, you have an army of like badass spirits on your back like, yo, I got the spirit of strength with me. I got the spirit of love with me. I got the spirit of kindness with me. I got the spirit of grace with me. I got the spirit of intelligence with me. I got this. So like... There's nothing I can't handle. There's nothing I can't do. Like, what's up? You know? And welcome into your life, really, what you really want to be and what you don't really want to be. And... You know, embrace those things. Spirit of good health. It's a good one to have. Spirit of protection. There's a lot. It's a good chat, though. I think that... like 50 minutes in, almost an hour. And I already said that was amazing. I feel like all of it's out of me. I feel like there's nothing left for me to say. Um. I just feel like sometimes we get to a point in which we're confused as to why we're here and what we're doing here and like what is this all for this is so hard this is so difficult like you're welcome and I think it's important to realize that sometimes we suspend our belief too much into this universe and this holographic universe that we forget that this is really just an experiment for the creator to understand more about itself, right? So none of this is really real. And the magic and the proof is in the pudding. We've seen this with so many things that like, you're more powerful than anything that this world throws at you. What you think, what you say, what's in your mind, what you believe, what you believe in, what you write, what you say, like the greatest gab, <laughs> the greatest con of all time is convincing the human that it wasn't powerful. That it was that was it was weak and that the world had more power than the human. Right? that we were somehow beholden to the situations and the circumstances, like we didn't have the energetic power to change it or to alter it or to think of it in a different way. 
And I think that that is what spiritualism, and to close, essentially, spiritualism gives you back that gift of realizing that you have all of the power and the control, right? Because, like, of course, like, you're depressed and you're sad. You're just, you know, I'm just sad and depressed and hopeless. But, like, when you think of it, like, no, no, no. I'm walking with this spirit of depression. Or I'm choosing to believe in this thing. Or I'm choosing to allow this thing to have control over me. I'm choosing to see this as my only path, my only route, my only thing. Even things of like the way that you love, how your relationships are, how, how much money you're making. Like it's a game. Like this is a game. <laughs> you know and once you realize that you're in the game all you gotta do is put the cheat codes in and the great part about it is it's not really even cheat codes it just gives you the freedom to do whatever you want to do with mastery to the complete absolute and how you want to do it like i don't play the sims game without the mother Luchi code i will not do it the rag to richest lifestyle for me is it's just not worth it i want to get to the free play let me live this life how i want to live it okay I got storylines I want to play out. I got things I want to do. I got stuff I want to put in my kitchen. Listen. You know, but when you do play it without the cheat codes, or even if you do get to the point where you're just like playing it, you know, for so long and you realize there are cheat codes, you develop this great appreciation for the game. Where you're just like, I put effort, I put time into this thing. I put a lot of love into this thing. I've conquered this thing and it's given me this sense of fulfillment and this sense of achievement, which I don't think are bad things. I think there are really great things. But I think that as we usher into this age of Aquarius, it is essential that we stop giving achievement and powerfulness to things outside of ourselves i think that it's essential that you begin to look with everything with internal grit internal power internal success that i'm just really proud of myself and so glad that i achieved just still being here and not that on some like you know sad shit but just on some shit where like yo this this life is not really fun it is and like we're gonna be honest it's not like lollipops candies and rainbows let's be real so like graduating college and not even just like the paper that it gave me but the pursuit into like being someone who was just raised in this environment that I was raised in with the setup that I had and then going to college, somehow finding my way into philosophy, intro to philosophy and changing my major three times because I was so passionate about what I was passionate about. And I fought for that and I went after that. And then creating this whole internet thing, something internal, something that I love about doing what I love, you know, like, I'm proud of that. My It comes from my internal pursuit of evolution of knowledge and truth and passion and, and things of that nature. That's when people ask me, like, what do you love most about yourself? I'm like, my mind. I don't really care about the hair. I don't really care about the nails. I don't really care about the body. I don't really care about the makeup. I could do without that. I like. And this is where you overcome your fear of anything, especially death.
You think it, because it's, what am I going to lose? If it's all internal, if I go somewhere else with my internal self, what do I have to lose? What am I afraid of? I can't think of a thing. Because wherever I'll go, I'll still have my mind, I'll still have my internal pursuit, I'll still have the evolution of what, what has become me, you know? And I think that spiritualism and the gift that it gives and some oh i read oh i read this somewhere this is where it's coming from oh my god i read this in a scholarly journal an academic journal where it was just like someone said i want to say it was john locke said that philosophy is preparation for death I didn't understand. I really didn't understand. I mean, I understood, but it, but it's hitting me on a different level now when I think about it like this because I'm like, oh. What it does is it opens up your mind to exploring itself. It opens up your spirit to exploring who it is. And that is what you take with you after all of this. Nothing else. Nothing else. Let me find it. Ah, I love it, I love it, I love it. It's here, it's here, it's here. I actually feel like I took screenshots of it. But anyhow. Um, And I'll just leave you to, to meditate on that fact for a second while I look for this quote. Uh, okay, hold on. It says, da da da. Uh, okay, I'm going to read the whole paragraph because it's so deep. Okay. Ancient Platonists, which are people who study Plato, if asked to summarize the essence of philosophy of Plato, would answer that it is a way of life directed towards homeo homeosis, becoming like God. At various points in Plato's dialogues, his descriptions of philosophy and of wisdom sound much more like descriptions of outer body experience than like today's notion of thinking deeply about important questions. For example, in Phaeo, Phaeo, Socrates says, I'm afraid that other people do not realize that the one aim of those who practice philosophy in the proper manner it is to practice, it is to practice for death, for dying and death. Let me read that again. And I don't want any highlights, so damn. Um, so Socrates says, I am afraid that other people do not realize the main aim of those who practice philosophy in the proper manner is to practice for dying and death, and then defines death as separation of the soul from the body. He goes on to discuss how the true philosopher is not concerned with things connected to the body, including sense perception, but with the soul and trying to get the soul by itself to 
taking leave of the body and as far as possible having no contact or association with it in its search for reality. The soul of the philosopher most disdains the body, flees from it, and seeks to be by itself. Later, Socrates continues, if we were ever to have pure knowledge, we must escape from the body and observe things themselves with the soul by itself. While there are other ways to interpret such passages, there is a long tradition of reading Plato as talking about something like an outer body experience that opens up some sort of mystical knowledge about reality and even God. Certain, certainly some things Certainly some things along those lines is how he was read by the so-called Neoplatonists like Platonimus and Plato. And then I go on and on and on and on and on. But isn't that, isn't that essential? Isn't that such a gift? And I feel that when I talk about things such as philosophy, or even if I just have these conversations with y'all, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not here. I'm in my mind somewhere exploring the colors and the vibrations and the songs of what these words mean. Like it's an adaptation to a beautiful scenery of my mind being elsewhere understanding these fundamental truths and visualizing these experiences and unlocking what they do for not only myself but hopefully for you and whoever else listens to this that there is truly like a gift in speaking and thought and in the mind and i would spend so much more time there than like out here in in this like this out here in this world like outside of this bubble and outside of here, oh my god, it's like World War, like whatever out there, all the World Wars out there. Because it's like, a, it's it's a war on, on the mind, it's a war on love, it's a war on spirituality. It always has been. But I, I feel like that's been philosophized, predicted already, right? Like, they say the war will not be televised. Someone said that, I think it was either... Um, and okay, or uh, Malcolm. And when I read, and I think that what stays with me so deeply is that essay by um, Willie Lynch says. Take the body, keep the mind, or keep the mind, take the body. One of those. Either way, it's poetic because it just shows how much the mind has control over the body. But we know that already, right? You can't live without your brain. But like, how deep and how like, tainted this this thing has become is scary and not scary in a sense of like fear but like wretched horrifying scary the things that are happening and even just the things that are happening like on a daily basis let alone just like watching someone you love be incapable of love because they were hurt you know or being a child to someone who doesn't have the capability to love you or love anyone else because they're so attached to what makes them feel safe which is their ego it's quite sad and disappointing or watching people get caught up in like systems of culture systems of belief that it takes away their ability to do what they actually want to do with their heart, with their soul. And when it comes to love, I think that's when I get the, the most sad. And, and, and if you guys don't know my soul card, you know what's funny how funny the universe is? 
my soul card, you know, in tarot, everybody has a soul card, right? Can't see my cards right here. You want to know what my soul card is? You'll never believe it. <laughs> it's the lovers. My soul card is the lovers. You should look up your soul card. If they took the mind, which they do often, love would be the only thing to wake it up. I'm quite certain. Because I feel like love is like a spiritual technology that breaks all those spells but they told us that in the fairy tales right like love first kiss breaks the spell love's true love's kiss they have that in like all of those like disney princess movies and i don't think that's the only reason why i believe that i think i truly believe it because like Every time I've seen someone fall into like a low, low, low point, even if it was because of love, like you see people get into relationships and they lose themselves. But like when people have a kid, like some people like having a kid saves them. And that's like the technology of love, right? And even just the art of like, mustering enough courage to have enough self-love breaks a lot of those spells as well to say like i just want it better for myself i love myself more i you know it's always that and i think it's the key to love well it quite literally is because <laughs> you can't have life without the physical act of union of bodies and souls right particularly like souls and bodies but well, quite physically both like bodies but like in essence like the soul is like entrapped in the body and so when those two things mesh together in like this you know biology <sighs> it's 2 a.m here So, to close, finally, to give you laps from this, to allow your brain to ponder on these thoughts and your mind to do networking with these thoughts, my final thought is, muster up the courage to love yourself enough to be fearless. And to grant that power back to yourself out of love. You know, wherever it is that you lost it, nothing is really lost. It's just moved around, hidden under a couple bricks or things or whatever. So go find it and must have the courage to even like search for it, to look for it, to want it bad enough so that it frees you of a life that you really want to live. Even if it's scary. Stop walking with the spirit of fear. Release it. Let it go. Ask it to leave you. Love yourself enough to be free. Okay? Okay, I'm calling it quits for now. I'll see you guys when I get a lap. So <laughs> I keep telling you guys, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. But honestly, if it's not authentic like this, then why Why would I be here? You know, like, don't force me. Like, come on, Aquarius. Like, I can't be forced to do things. Stop, you know? So 
hello, I'll see you when I see you. And it sounds so different in here. It sounds so much better. So listen to the podcast. This whole thing that we just talked about, if you're ever busy and you're just like on the road and you want to listen to this to be reminded of something or to feel whatever it is that you felt here before, Spotify. You can just listen to it on your car, in your car. Do I talk different when I have the headphones on? I think I do. All right. Good night. See you in your mind.